Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Hey, this is Derwin from the Blanket Fortress of Solitude. And the funny thing about being in your mid-30s is making new friends is borderline impossible, right? You can have friends that you knew when you were 21 and pick the ball back up. Like, oh my God, we're still friends. This is great. But meeting new people, right? opening yourself up to the possibility of new friendship is rare and almost a fool's game in your mid thirties. However, I tilted at windmills and met a new friend and he is the co-host of adequately informed. His name is Evan Kelly. Evan. Hello. Hello and welcome. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> So I'm so used to welcoming, you know. I, you know, I, I appreciate you welcoming me onto my show. It's great. I mean, don't <laughs> worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're just fine. Um, so what is it that you do? Yeah. So my day job is that I am a special educational instructional assistant. That There's sounds a, intense. You know, a, lot, a lot of words in there. Yeah. I, I teach math to fifth graders who need extra help. Very simple. Um but as you mentioned, I'm also the co-host of Adequately Informed, which is now a bi-weekly current events and news analysis and commentary podcast. And I also write part-time for my own publication, Midwestern Perspective, covering film, media, all that fun stuff. Can you go more into your day? Are you allowed to go more in your day job? Or Yeah, I, I mean, um, I was hired because students have these little pieces of paper sometimes called IEPs, Individualized Educational Plans. And these guarantee them certain services that are legally required to be provided by the school. Basically, extra help when they have a disability that prevents them from accessing their education. And some of these services involve having an extra special education staff or teacher go into the room and, and help them with their classwork while they're doing it. Other services require them to be removed from the class and retaught material that they are struggling with. And I kind of do it all. And lately, because we've had so few people in our building, we're having trouble filling that spot. No one wants to work in a school right now. Could you, could you imagine that? You know, it's funny. Everywhere we go, we're like, oh, everybody's hired. Everyone's short. Did more people die than we thought? Like, because they're like, oh, it's 700,000 people. That's it. That, that, that's a horrific amount of people. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But I'm like, and then if you take that and you say, oh, one in 10 had long COVID, right? Or, or, or 10 times that had long COVID. And then you've got the people that were affected by it. So like, oh, you're mm -hmm. in the probably tens of millions of people that were directly affected. Including excess death from just the general social stress, as well as early retirements that were induced yeah. by the pandemic. Like the workforce is down 
a lot of people. Yeah. And you just can't build it back up overnight. Yeah. Yeah, so I am out there in the trenches, so to speak. Um, You know, I have done everything from change diapers in kindergarten to teach fifth grade math to supervise sixth graders who are trying to beat the crap out of each other at recess. Like it just, (laughs) it's the, the entire spectrum of elementary education is at my doorstep. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I, and this is a hundred percent for the better. Right. And this wasn't the environment I grew up in, but this is like the, the adults in my life when I was a kid would be like, yeah, you know, like I remember we're driving past kids fist fighting on the ground and this adult, I'm a, I'm a small kid. And this adult's like, well, you know, they gotta learn to defend themselves sometime. And we just kept driving. <laughs> like this kid is getting the fuck out on the ground. And this guy is like, eh, what are you going to do sometimes to get the shit beat out of you? <laughs> you gotta learn today, boy. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, very, very Darwinian. Not what we're allowed. Not, not the attitude we are allowed to take formally at the school building. You know, <laughs> I've been in fights where things didn't really go so well and get hit in the face. Not the best. So it's probably, I like that. Like, you know, yes, we don't have to throw them into the Hunger Games, right? <laughs> That's an option. If we can, like, restrain the Hunger Games a little bit and... Like the, yeah, the Hunger Games was intended as a dystopia, right? Not a utopia. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, here's what we should do. Let the children fight, and the winner gets to eat potato chips. Hey, you know, I, I love potato chips probably more than the next guy, so yeah, I, I'd lay it on the line. I mean, I have some in my kitchen right now, so I guess it's not not really that dire, but... Yeah, nah. Anyway, so, where are you from? Uh, I'm from... The lovely town of Galesburg, Illinois, over in the west central part of the state, over right by the Iowa border and the Mississippi River, um, about halfway between the Quad Cities and Peoria, Illinois, which is a little bit bigger. More people have heard of that. Um, Yeah, just a, you know, about 30,000 population dying post-industrial town there was uh the the maytag oh gosh the maytag refrigerators i think were made there before they all got shipped to mexico and um butler was a big company that and both those companies left about the time that i was in first or second grade i remember my first grade teacher uh moved the year after i had her because her husband worked for maytag and they had to move to you know whatever town is right on the southern tip of texas because the job was in mexico now oh shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um so that that town has really it it hasn't bounced back and there's the big brain drain you know a lot of the people who i would have gone to school with kind of got out yeah and um my creative partner joe hicks who i do adequately informed with he made it like his project to move back to galesburg he, he did he went to school and he got out and he said no i'm choosing to return to this community and try to build it back up so you know we'll we'll, we'll see what comes of it there's some cool stuff going on but just not 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 a lot of the jobs you know it's, it's yeah. just a very retail dependent economy which is not great no although and I'm late to the climate change game where everyone's like, hey, maybe don't pollute things. 
Because <laughs> before I was like, eh, it's a bunch of hippie bullshit. And then, <laughs> like, you know, and then I realized, oh, oh, plastic gets in drink, drinking water and we breathe it in. And it, oh, no. And so I'm like, and then you see all the fires and the floods and shit from the last couple of years. And you're like, oh, maybe the hippies were right. <laughs> about and this one thing. About this one thing. <laughs> nothing else. Um, and, you know, like, I have seen maps where, like, well, you know what? I, I, after climate change hits the coast and then there's, like, a, a great migration, it's going to be the Rust Belt. That's going to be, like, the best, like, the, the, the location that's best suited to adapt Right, because like there's going to be the least amount of change because we're so insulated by both the Rockies and the Appalachian Mountains for most weather patterns. Assuming nothing else happens, like I heard about something called a bomb cyclone the other day, and I'm like, oh, that's weather now. Weather comes in bomb form. <laughs> Our <laughs> like, weather is weaponized. That's that's really good to hear. <laughs> you know, and like, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, but <laughs> you know, let's just have let's just. Yeah. Anyway, so maybe Joe will get his wish, and maybe after you know the coast collapse and people repatriate to uh, Illinois, it'll be a thriving metropolis. And he's like an old man. He goes, "I did it," and everyone else is dead, <laughs> but we're doing fine. Australia's yeah. gone. <laughs> <laughs> Florida's kind of an island chain now. <laughs> You know, for for all intents and purposes, Florida is a, an I, an island chain socially right now. So you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds like a lot, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of like the Eastern Europe of America. That's kind of because yeah. <laughs> I, I got friends who are like, yeah, we're going to Florida, bro, and I'm like, dude, I got a letter from Ron DeSantis. And you're my friend who's going to appreciate this. Because I told one of my conservative friends, he's like, what would Ron have to say? I'm like, wrong audience. <laughs> Hold on. <let> me... <laughs> okay. So I can kind of summarize them. This is why you shouldn't drink so much. <laughs> um, fuck. See, I got the... Sur- so it's the New America survey, right? And it opens with this following line. He's like, freedom, America. Liberty, whatever you want to call it, the left hates it. And they want to take it from you. They want to take anything you love and destroy it. And this is their new America. That's not it, but that's like 95% of what it was. Mm-hmm. And and that fucking bothers me so much. That sort of like, because like, it's it's funny. In, in Indiana, I'm like the conservative guy at the party. But in Ohio, I'm the liberal guy at the party. So it's a very strange sort of like dichotomy there. Yeah, it's you know it's needless fear mongering and scapegoating when like most of your problems are your fault you know and like the people in congress right have very very little to do with what goes on your daily life maybe on the most general basis if there's like a pandemic and there's stimulus checks coming out but like Mm -hmm. If your life sucks, it's probably on you, right? Like, or at least it's on you to fix it. You know, blaming Nancy Pelosi isn't going to make your life suck less. You know, of course, finally, blaming the Republicans won't make your life suck less. You know, you should probably figure out why your life sucks and then do the opposite. Sorry, I... (laughs) 
I so enjoy having friends of all different stripes. And whenever I see things that are like demonizing people based on their beliefs to get money for a stupid political party, for a political system that is barely functional, like it just bugs me. Yeah. Did, did you see a Tim Dillon show recently? I did. I saw a Tim. <laughs> oh, my God. How could I have guessed? <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 me if i was without the therapy and if i was into dudes right like you wouldn't think he was gay listening to him because he seems like if rush limbaugh and alex jones had a baby (laughs) But, (laughs) but and the bitch if it is you listen to his stuff and then sometimes you know, he'll say, oh, because like he was calling Andrew Cuomo back in March with like March of or March, April of last year, because he was living in New York at the time. And he's like, yeah, Cuomo sucks. And everyone's like, oh, you know, I'm a Cuomo sexual and blah, 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 blah. He's like, no, yeah. sucks. he's a terrible person. And then like a year later, he's like, oh, look who's right again. <laughs> yeah, just um, I think anyone who ties that much identity to a politician like to call yourself a Cuomo the fact that the word Cuomo sexual exists is like a red flag for humanity like if if you gotta if you gotta be that attached to a politician like maybe don't yeah yeah that's that's the left's equivalent of making an actual statue of Donald J. Trump out of gold at Mar-a-Lago in Florida that's the thing <laughs> that actually happened. And, you know, the let the, the, the ones that, cause there's this idea that I kind of like where people, a lot of people lost their religion and they replaced, replaced it with politics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like politicians kind of become like, like priests and, and almost demigods in a way or whatever. And, you know, they're not quite as on the nose as having a golden idol. But, you, know, like, you are really saying the quiet part out loud there. <laughs> Blasting it for all to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's funny, I could have made a, 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 a halfway decent argument for voting for the guy around 2018. If only because it was funny to watch people get mad about him, right? And then things got real in 2020. I'm like, oh, yeah. No. All right. This this joke has gone too far. It's the kid who, like, you know, in school, who who finds the one thing that people think is funny, and then he does it to death. Yeah. And then before you know it, like your teacher's crying and, yeah. and, and like the hospital can't have recess. Up with dead yeah. people and there's like no <laughs> test or anything. And, you know, like the cities are on fire and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, lesson learned. Lesson learned. You know who we want? We want a placeholder. <laughs> <laughs> well, he we got has, one. <laughs> we got one. He just has to have a pulse. And like a social security number. <laughs> that, the, that's about all he's got, but he's good. That's, you know, that's, we kind of go in like pendulum swings in this country, you know? And, and like, we had like this sort of overly educated intellectual black guy. And then we got 
Donald Trump, who is the the biggest pendulum swing, right? <laughs> who is like kind of like like Donald Trump is kind of like if there was if you wanted to really fuck up your life, right? If you know that one person that you know, if you hang out with him for the weekend, you're gonna ruin your life. You're gonna have a great time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's going to be worth, it'll almost be worth it. It'll be so much fun. So Wait. this is how I've heard him described before. These are not my words. I'm just going to throw these out there. Donald Trump is is what I've been told is a dumb person's idea of a smart person. Like yeah. he says things loudly and confidently. Yeah. If you try to investigate it all, you know, all the strings will unravel and the yeah. emperor's not wearing any clothes. But, you know, he yeah. puts on the show. He, he's, you know, the the thing about Donald Trump, though, um, pe- people say that he is dumb. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I just think that his intelligence lies in his understanding of the media, yeah. his ability to market himself. Mm-hmm. A-, a truly dumb person could not do that. Now, yeah. do I think he could hold a two minute, two second conversation on government policy? No, no. But... There is something about him that got him to where he is. Like it could yeah. have been anyone because he was definitely riding a wave, but it was him and not, not to give the man any credit. Cause of course not, but you know, there's my, and, and, and to, I would say too, he was probably and again, this is old territory being trod, but he was very much a reaction to mm-hmm. a lot of the opposing side. Right. And you had a group of people that felt like they didn't quite, you know, they they felt like things were kind of moving on beyond them. And then they felt like they're being talked down to. And then some guy throws up and goes, oh, you know who I hate? Fuck them, too. Right. And he's really best friends with them. But it's TV. Yeah, exactly. People said, I'm I'm sick of this, uh, you know, Ivy League millionaire. So let's put in another Ivy League millionaire. But but who talks our Ivy League millionaire? (laughs) Yeah. He says things different. Yeah. He's a huckster, but he's our huckster in the words of the <laughs> philosopher Tim Dillon. And you know, so and and like I I don't blame anybody for voting for him, right? Like I would never vote for him. And you know, and I could see I think too and I, I and, and I'm always fascinated by this idea that there's politics is very two-dimensional in our country by design right it's made so that Mm -hmm. you don't have to think too hard about it it's you know like oh i'm wearing a blue shirt that guy's wearing a red shirt let's kill him you know (laughs) (laughs) And, and or vice versa right and it um 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 and so people they've you know they're like some people, some people, they're so busy trying to spend so many plates, they just know what color their jersey is. Mm-hmm. And then someone says, oh, we've got the same jersey, you should vote for me, right? That's a lot of it. And others, it's, like, I've talked to people who are so, they use it as a distraction so they don't have to think too hard about their mm-hmm. own lives, right? And we've talked about this a couple times before. You know, I've spoken to people who are like, yeah, we're going to secede from the union. And I'm like, well, that's an awful fucking idea. (laughs) (laughs) This is, these are not serious people. These are people 
sitting listening to podcasts all day, right? Like these are not mm-hmm. like you know, this is not the QAnon shaman or anything. <laughs> you know, this is not a, a serious threat by any measure. But it's my disclosure or my disclaimer, um, <laughs> <laughs> just in case people ask questions. Um, but you know, they they they're by themselves or they're kind of in their own little bubble and they 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 get fed all this stuff and they're amped up because like i remember i remember when my life was in the crap or when i was at rock bottom i was listening to milo yiannopoulos and i was like yeah i fucking hate feminism (laughs) (laughs) oh wow you were you were down in it (laughs) oh oh i i i never went to a men's rights advocate group but like i would listen to some other stuff but i'd be like yeah you know <laughs> like, but like the, the you were vibing on it you, you you got it because my life was garbage and and it felt like it gave me someone to blame for mm-hmm. all the pain and the sadness and the fucking despair i was in right and then once things got better, I graduated from Miley Yiannopoulos to Ben Shapiro. <laughs> ah. Which is kind of like, you know, he's less, there's less riots at it. Well, no, about the same. He's <laughs> like a respectable Miley Yiannopoulos. But it, um, yeah. And the more successful I kind of became in life, the more I'm like, oh, politics is bread and circuses for peasants. Not all of it, but mm-hmm. a lot of like the culture war stuff is. It's like a distraction, you know? Yeah. That's something we've talked about frequently on Adequately Informed. You know, it is, yeah. um, it's very animating, right? Because what you realize is that the most motivating thing to people is safety Mm -hmm. and if you make someone feel like their way of life is under attack Mm -hmm. and make them feel unsafe for better or worse they will do things to remedy that whether those are logical things or not you know (laughs) that that could you know (laughs) it's very debatable but um yeah to appeal to a sense that your way of life is leaving yeah, and these are the people who are responsible for it. Let, let's throw Nancy Pelosi out there again because it's always her, right? <laughs> she does kind of have a wicked witch of the West vibe about her. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just a- anyone who's been serving that long kind of ossifies, right? She's kind of like becoming a skeleton before our. I, I don't love Nancy. You know, I'm, I'm a liberal. I don't love Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> and and it's funny. I talked to one guy. And he was telling me how, you know, like when you're poor, you're a Democrat, but when you're rich, you're a Republican. And I'm like, you know, like I, when I was a kid, it was a lot of like, oh, you know, the Dems are going to get us and it was, (laughs) you know, a lot of nonsense. It was white noise as bread and circuses. And and the older I get, you know, I've, middle class so i'm not exactly like jd rockefeller or anything but i'm like oh well you know the liberals got some really good points and why don't we have health care for everybody (laughs) (laughs) well because derwin that would be socialism yeah boom argument over 
No, like, <laughs> I kind of became a social, a bit of a socialist during the pandemic. Like, I'll be honest here. <laughs> like, oh, hey, man, you're not gonna get any resistance from me on healthcare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, cause I've had free healthcare since I was 19. It's pretty sweet, and <laughs> you know, they didn't just hand it to us. You had to do stuff for it, but still. <laughs> and you know, like, it's it's a lot of the things. You know, like, like you hear the conservatives say, "Oh, they're gonna," you know, they're the liberals are making the, the the Department of Defense. They're all a bunch of pussies now, and and I'm like, guys, we're still bombing Afghan families, right? <laughs> like, nothing. It, has it's truly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that's different now is there's more black people on TV saying, "Hi, we're with the Department of Defense." That's literally the biggest difference between now and before like when Bush was in office and because you know and, and I get a lot of this there, there's shows I like Tim Dillon's one guy show I like where they say that so much of how the system works up top is kind of ossified and everyone's on the same page so politics becomes just culture war nonsense right like instead of I don't know how is the water supply like does everyone have enough water well the trans people are in the men's bathrooms but is there water coming out of the sinks like, <laughs> you guys are missing the point because it's easier to focus on these bullshit non-things than like you know do we have to have a GoFundMe because a kid has cancer right like that story where that yeah. seven-year-old is selling fucking lemonade to pay for her brain cancer right that's and not those a- are always marketed exactly they're marketed as feel-good stories and when you think about it it's deeply disturbing that's so dystopic <laughs> that's not <laughs> like oh man yeah yeah it's it's weird being a moderate liberal now i'm not really used to it it's kind of like a, <laughs> like if you could be like a bit of a socialist but also be really into guns at the same time <laughs> and you know it is weird how, how those things stack right because there really shouldn't be any correlation to your views on taxation and to your views on gun ownership to your views on abortion and yet there's there's really not a lot of room to deviate from party orthodoxy in either direction yeah. um and you know there's a lot of reasons for that the the main one of which is the fact that politics has become increasingly identitarian right like say 50 years ago it didn't really matter if you were a democrat or a republican because they had basically the same type of social beliefs it's been said that even though democrats and republicans have existed for a while we've only really gotten to a two-party system recently because for a long time it was a one-party system effectively everyone was a democrat in the fdr era whether you called yourself a democrat or republican eisenhower governed as a democrat jfk lyndon b johnson governed as democrats even richard nixon in his social policy governed like a democrat and then the reagan revolution came and the one party just flipped over to republican because reagan was republican we had the first bush bill clinton governed largely as a republican and then george w bush and then in about 2008 is when we finally got this 
raw, unvarnished, knock them out, drag them out fighting that we are now accustomed to that we can't get away from. Super fun. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you love it? Well, I, it kind of makes me check out. It's, (laughs) you know, I, I, I know so little. I mean, I paid attention last year because, you know, there was the virus and the riots and the civil unrest and the, you know, uh, uh, you know, the attempted insurrection. And <laughs> yeah, you just had to ask yourself, if I wake up, is there going to be a fire outside my window tomorrow? Probably want to know the likelihood of that. Yeah. Like Indianapolis. Temperature's like, down a bit this year. Temperature's way. That's why I'm glad we have. I think the placeholder is probably for the best. It brought the temperature way, way. Down. And yes, people are like, ah, oh, we're going to have a revolution. No, you're not. <laughs> like. <laughs> like this one guy is like oh yeah we could we could secede without it being the civil war i'm like it was a civil war last time (laughs) (laughs) what makes you think we're just gonna give you up yeah and anybody who's like uh you know we'll have a civil war i'm like well you clearly haven't been to one i visited one one time for like nine months on a combat deployment not fun (laughs) like i and i had a really nice simple version i went on one road trip where i'm like oh that's fallujah oh that's ramadi oh this is baghdad this whole place is like a shithole. <laughs> like, everyone's sad and all the buildings are in ruin. ruin. <laughs> and then you, you get into the gate into Victory Base Camp in Baghdad and then all you hear is coming out on like, like it's like a half mile away, right? Maybe a quarter mile. It's at the gate. You know, stuff's happening. Mm-hmm. Not to me directly, but you're like, oh, I'm in a bad neighborhood. <laughs> I should not have visited here. This was a terrible plan. I hope everyone's okay. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it's I I've you know, and I've talked about this on this show several times. I for the first eight or nine months of the pandemic last year, you know, I you learn a lot of short-term coping mechanism skills for stressful, high op tempo, chaotic environments in the military. Right. And I think it's fair to say that last year was a stressful, high op tempo, chaotic environment. Sure. Yeah. But also it was really boring at the same time. So it felt just like a combat deployment. And, <laughs> and then about November, about 12 months ago, cause this is being recorded in November of 2021. Um, you know, I just hit a point where like I shattered. I, I I had to get five crowns because I I was grinding my teeth so bad they're about to shatter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, maybe not news. And so I'll like, <laughs> and so you know, because the news was making me think of other things. And and you know, and 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 so I've stopped being giving a fuck about the culture war nonsense has made me so unbelievably happy like if i even feel myself starting to care about something i'm like oh no i'm being brainwashed <laughs> back away <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> like, and i know i mean like you were saying there is so much that gets talked about yeah. or discussed or written about and given this reverence of being a high level national issue that will never trickle down to affect you in any meaningful way. But you know what? There's a lot of local ordinances and local policies that 
A, will affect your life much more, and B, you have a much better shot of having input in that yeah. people just completely ignore because, you know, something that's going on in Washington can sell media and sell ad space from, you know, New York to L.A. <laughs> what, uh, you know, the new hotel construction in Indianapolis maybe can get a couple of clicks on the Indie Star, but there's not a ton of money in that. <laughs> and when we have a media and more frighteningly news ecosphere that's increasingly adapting to this attention economy, the things that draw attention are what win out. And I mean, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to be the guy who's all poetic about the news. I mean, there's been bad journalism as long as there's been journalism, but we're just feeling it in this way mm -hmm. right now. And people are getting really angry about it. And that's kind of scary. <laughs> Yeah, I people are so much more interesting than their politics, right? Now that if someone's like, you know, like, oh, I like Star Trek, but I also hate the Jews, I'll be like, oh, you know, they, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but I like myself, you know, I'm kind of a pro-life guy, but also I'm like, oh, you should, we should have a good social safety net, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we should like have healthcare for all but that doesn't fit party orthodoxy you mm -hmm. know and so you're like oh you feel like a man with no country but you're like no i'm if anything that fits my christian beliefs were you know mm -hmm. like of compassion and stuff and but that, and I that's wish, the thing right that's oh go ahead I, I was gonna say i wish more people could find find people that think differently than now granted i'm a i'm a veteran and so we're kind of you're kind of shotgun exposed to people from all over the country, from different parts. You've got, you know, you got a guy from inner city Chicago who hates white people. And you got a guy from backwoods, Missouri, who hates black people. And they're next to each other. you know. So you got to make that work somehow. Right. And so you kind of get to know people that you otherwise wouldn't even go near. And so we're lucky in that aspect, but please continue. I, I want to tie back to what we were saying about politics becoming so identitarian and, yeah. and it kind of stacks all of our other identities, identities and they almost get subsumed by our political identity. But people used to have so much else that they would primarily identify with. Like you and I have spoken about our Christian faith and how that influences our decisions. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys who's like, Oh, Christianity's under attack. War on Christmas. Let's go, let's go re let's go put a, a Christmas tree at the courthouse or whatever. Well, I think the Christians you know. won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, there, there is room in human identity to have all of these rich textures to who we are yeah and that th those same margins don't exist within our political identities and if you think that that sounds messed up you're right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and i think again not to boil this down to just a rant but uh social media please plays do. a role right, right ahead. <laughs> yeah. no i just personally derwin i have felt so much better <laughs> since I stopped looking at social media. I, I didn't delete everything. I'm not, 
you know, I, I'm human. I'm still addicted to the the scrolling sometimes. Yeah. Like, if... <laughs> um, yeah. So, but to just not be inundated with it yeah. and not have to see the most extreme representation of every view yeah. pushed to the top of the algorithm is a very refreshing experience and that's something that adequately informed tries to do is not to take the most extreme version of an argument and explore it but to take the version of the argument that's in good faith you know a a reasonable person not trying to grandstand not trying to push their own agenda is there merit to this argument underneath it sometimes there is sometimes there isn't but you're not going to get a lot of that deep discussion in 280 characters or whatever a tweet length is i i never actually i mean i think i had a twitter account like 2015 but i did like three tweets on it that i'm like well this is stupid i already have facebook and (laughs) i just never and then everyone who on twitter just seems it seems really miserable so i'm like why you know why dip your toes in the sad pool (laughs) like yeah no, Twitter's bad. I mean, Facebook's bad too, which I know yeah. you're more, <laughs> you, you you are more accustomed to. Yeah. They're all bad. They're all bad. Well, like if you kind of curate Facebook the right way, you can like, you know, like I know which friends are, you know, more excited about their beliefs than others will say. And so you can be like, oh, I'm just going to snooze him for 30 days until, and then I'll see what he has to say next month. Oh, still excited okay back to snooze that's fine (laughs) and it takes work but you can kind of like curate it to where it's mostly about the new batman movie and like (laughs) random like content creators that i like and stuff and you know it's it's you have to do it with a specific purpose in mind of course so um you guys just did an episode uh currently uh or the veterans day uh, uh, November 11th, 2021, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse is going on. Yeah. Now, I didn't listen to your episode. And I want to say it's because in preparation, so I could hear your thoughts unvarnished, but I also <laughs> forgot. So <laughs> I appreciate but, the honesty. But let's pretend like I did it with an idea, like I planned this podcast at all. So. What is, can you summarize, because I kind of checked out of that after, you know, everything happened last year. Yeah. So do you want to talk about that at all or? Yeah. So what's going on is a case of, you know, kind of a classic case. Is it self-defense or is it not? Sure. After after the the killing of George Floyd, there were national protests about the state of police brutality and racism in america sure things were super accelerated in kenosha wisconsin after the shooting of a man named jacob blake there were riots and peaceful demonstrations as well in the streets of kenosha and a young man from a nearby community technically across the state line in illinois kyle rittenhouse took it upon himself to drive to Kenosha armed and loaded mm-hmm. to defend property. Um, again, nobody nobody like called him and said, hey, Kyle, you know, I'm, I'm going to deputize you. He just decided. Um, and in the course of the events, 
two people were shot and killed by sure. Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, three people were shot. Two of them died. Sure. And so now there is a trial to litigate whether he is guilty of murder or not. So I, I'm of kind of two minds on it because... I'd love to know. Yeah, on, on one hand, like, let's just accept that it's absolutely bonkers that you can just pick up and drive to a place where you weren't invited, shoot two people, and then, like, kind of hold up your hands and be like, oops. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, I was I was reviewing the legal standard for self-defense in Wisconsin, and, and at the time of this recording, the case isn't decided, but it seems extremely likely to me that he's going to be acquitted um, because... Apparently, when you have a claim of self-defense, it is on the prosecution to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you were acting sort of with malice of forethought. I'm not a lawyer. These are not expert legal opinions. I'm just a guy who, who reads things and tries to interpret them to You're the best of my master's degree. So let's not like downplay how smart you are. <laughs> I barely um, have a liberal arts degree. And it's kind <laughs> I, I took a lot of like history of rock and roll one, two and three. So, <laughs> okay. I, I, I did take a, a good popular music class in undergrad, but, but just one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, please continue. Anyway. Yeah. So again, not, not an expert legal opinion, but the standard appears to be that if, and, and actually I did, I did look this up there, there doesn't need to be, an actual demonstrable proof that Kyle Rittenhouse's life was ever in danger. The jury has to put themselves in his shoes and reason through whether they think he thought he was reasonably in danger when he fired the shots. That's like and two based... levels of inception. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, and it seems if that is the standard... Oh, he's going to be fine. It's... It's very tough to say, yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 not going to go over well, though. Like, yeah. definitely the writing is on the wall that he's going to be acquitted. And, you know, if, if that's the legal standard, that's the legal standard. Again, I'm not a legal expert. I yeah. certainly don't know more about the law than the judge in Wisconsin presiding over this case. Yeah, we live in Indiana. We weren't there. So, like, this is one of those things as an intellectual exercise. But, like, we're not yeah. emotionally involved in this. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know that there have already been legitimate concerns regarding jury selection. Mm -hmm. There was one of the jurors who has already been dismissed from the case because as he was walk being walked, escorted to his car after the trial one night, he told an off-color joke about Jacob Blake, the man whose shooting precipitated this whole event in Kenosha. And, and, you know, I certainly do not have a deeply well-informed opinion about Jacob Blake, and I'm not going to try to pontificate here. Sure. But if you, it stands to reason to me that if you have a flippant attitude about the inciting incident of a pocket of civil unrest, which then resulted in deaths you shouldn't be on the jury for that murder trial don't think you're going to be impartial right there yeah so um i don't know probably by the time this this episode comes out we'll have some 
well, we'll know what happens and we'll see what the response is, but it'll be um, long forgotten in the national discourse. <laughs> I mean, you know, think ho- hopefully that would be good because yeah. um, people are good. I think people are going to be upset about this. It's a little putting myself in his shoes. Right. And I was trying to think why would, cause the boy was 17 when it happened. Right. Yes. Like, so, and I know that's that fun gray area where it's like, depending on what state you're in, you can be tried as an adult, depending on the crime. Mm-hmm. And now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did his mom drop him off to go to the field trip? Mm-hmm. And because the story, this was last year, this, you know, when no one knew what the fuck was going on with anything. I, I had heard that his mom had just drove him there and said, you got this, Kyle. <laughs> like, <laughs> I look at it like you had a young kid that was radicalized, right? Mm -hmm. It does not excuse any wrongdoing, but when you're 17, you're kind of like a dog with a social security number. Yes, you can be tried as an adult for your sins and your crimes, but like for me, he's a canary in the coal mine, right? Like, oh, people are being radicalized at a young Mm -hmm. age to do this sort of thing. And I look at it more like, like I spent my twenties, you know, I wasn't like a scholar, but I kind of studied, you know, uh, uh, extremist terrorism groups, right? Like I kind of like, Oh, what's the psychology behind it and stuff. And in a lot of it was just like that, that's who we were fighting. And you get the kids, you induct them at an early age, you indoctrinate them in this like radical belief. And then you send them off with a gun or a fucking suicide vest or whatever right Mm -hmm. and who gave the boy a gun actually that's a good question because he didn't own it he borrowed it from a friend so his friend is facing like weapons charges as well yeah yeah like who gave his friend a gun why does his friend have that easy access to an ar-15 that young Mm -hmm. right i'm a big second amendment guy i own several weapons but it's like with Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> if you have the power to shoot a bunch of people, you have the utmost responsibility to handle it in the most proficient way. You know, mm-hmm. you don't hand them to fucking children, right? Or leave the, the, the gates to your gun cabinet unlocked and be like, oh, well, you know, Timmy and Kyle, they're going to be just fine. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy and Kyle are going to serve time. Oh, no, probably not. (laughs) Timmy might, but Kyle's got a defense team. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And, you know, and so I look at it like that. Like, it's not that he didn't make choices, but also, you know, we don't hold children to the standard of adults. And, like, I've worked, you know, I worked with 17-year-olds in the military, and, like, they're just the smart ones understand how stupid they are and how little they know. And they just kind of follow you around and they're hoping that you care enough about them to tell them what to do to stay alive. Right. That's the best case scenario there. But a lot of people failed him and he was radicalized into an extremist ideology. And now there's a body count, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and to go back to that, we talked about, you know, culture war, people picking a side, and there's people acting like he's 40, 
right? <laughs> and then I look at this and I'm like, he's a boy. He's a little boy, right? He's 17. And and yeah, I know that's old enough to go enlist. I know that's old enough to kill a man, clearly. But yeah. like, go on. That, that, that's going to be my response is that there's definitely a very interesting conversation to be had here about accountability and what drives and motivates our actions. But I think where some of that other side is coming from is that, yeah, the, the, the people are dead. Whether he was 17, 40, 400, yeah. dead is dead. And they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, I look at him and I'm like, I feel sorry for him. You know, like, because 17-year-olds are profoundly stupid, right? Across the board, top to bottom, left, right, all of them. And they're gullible. And best case scenario for this kid, he gets off scot-free, right? He has to live with deaths on his soul for the rest of his life, right? And he's the hero to a bunch of fucking QAnon losers now, you know? And so that's going to be the part of society that accepts him. So he's just going to gravitate more toward that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's more, that's where my worry is. And I'm like, what, you know, what situations made this happen? What's going to happen with this kid? Right. Cause like we said, nine times out of 10, he's probably getting off, you know, he was a hundred percent in the wrong. Right. But maybe this is my big gooey heart coming out. I don't fucking know. But I look at this kid. I'm like, wow, you got failed on a systemic level, top to bottom. Right. Like, and I'm not, and, and that just means that somebody, nobody in his life, th- this should never have happened. This should never have seen to look to be like an idea that was good. I don't know. I, I don't have any. Yeah, kids. no, I, I, I get I get what you're saying. Um, I also coach high school speech debate. Sure. And so I, I teach high schoolers about current events and what's going on in the world and how to structure arguments. And I had a student, very smart kid, yeah. um, who we were discussing the January 6th, you know, insurrection. Sure. And he he was just sort of like incensed he was like i don't see how people could do this like like how it, it, they're just you know so stupid and and all that and i i tried to explain to him i was like you know i, I get what you're saying and the insurrection was horrible and like you're, you're on the right side of this you're, you're smart <laughs> enough to know that to be on the right side of this yes <laughs> but just take a walk with me for a second imagine a world in which 24 7 you are watching cable news that is feeding you conspiracy theories. You are on Facebook, whatever social media site that's giving you even worse conspiracy theories. Everyone in your social community is sharing these conspiracy theories and you're not getting any countervailing information that you believe. If you don't, if, if that is the media ecosystem and that is the, the media diet that you are consuming and you believe that and you internalize it, how would you not want to take action? If you believe that the election was stolen, if you believe that a group of pedophiles are running the nation, it would be a logical response to try to rise up and stop that. The issue is that the information under girding those beliefs 
is complete bunk. That's the issue. Yeah. But if you don't fact check, if you don't try to examine it from that different angle, yeah. those are the actions that you get. And I think Rittenhouse, what you're kind of saying is the same way. It's a 17-year-old yeah. who probably was just inundated with this type of rhetoric and this is the most extreme version of that we saw play out yeah and so you know like you said it's very complex and we've had conversations like this all the time of of when something goes wrong you know how much is attributable to personal characteristics how much is attributable to the environment and what we've come down on of course is that it's both um yeah you know like it's, it's never either or it's probably yes and and mm-hmm. and and you know and, and this is not to you know he was so totally in the wrong but i look at him and i'm like who convinced the 17 year old kid that this was a good idea we barely let them drive like <laughs> <laughs> like you know like you can enlist but it's never you know the ones in the military that young aren't usually weren't making good choices. You know, it's usually a gotcha. judge sent them there. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, back in the day, it's different now, but um, I forget how old I am sometimes. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't have any comments. I really only know about that world through you. So I, I'm just going to say, yep, yep. You got it, Derwin. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like talking to you. You agree with everything I have to say. That's why we're great friends. Um, but yeah, I, I just, last year was really bad. <laughs> it was so fucking bad. And I'm, and I'm so glad that the air is out of the room with a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I, it is my profound hope that that kid finds God and ignores the unsuccessful idiot QAnon people trying to make him out to be some sort of hero for the cause. Right. Mm-hmm. because I can see a teenage boy latching onto that and justifying the body count that's on his soul right now as, oh, they were deaths in the cause, right? Because I have never taken a human life. I know people who have. It does a thing to you. It, it is, you can only, it's not a natural thing. It's, it's, mm. It'll catch up to you, right? You can justify it by saying, oh, it's for the cause. But, you know, it's 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 a thing that a lot of people work through, right? I'm not going to tell any stories out of school or anything, but, and, you know, or like the kids that thought that, you know, looting a Starbucks to, you know, stop racism, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it, it's not party specific. It's these are fucking children and, and it's like the Ninja Turtles movie, right? And stay with me on this. <laughs> I, I will, because I do not see it right now. It's the Foot Clan. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's two different warring versions of the Foot Clan. And each side has a shredder sending the Foot Clan at each other. You know, you got the Foot Clan and the hand, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I based too much of my life off of the first Ninja Turtles movie that came out in 1990, <laughs> which was probably before you were born. It was, but great theme song. Yeah, it's awesome. And 
in that one, you had lost kids, kids that were from hard areas, going through trouble, whatever. They get sucked into this fucking extremist, violent, insurrectionist terrorist group called the Foot Clan, right? It kind of informed a lot of my military, like, beliefs and things. I'm like, oh, yeah, Al-Qaeda is like the Foot Clan. <laughs> like, <I> get- <laughs> and we're failing people, clearly. And singling out one person, one group, whatever, saying, oh, it's their fault. No, it's ours. It's 365 million people's fault. And I don't know. Are just, you go ahead? Are, are you familiar with the television program Big Mouth? I know of it. Okay, yeah. So there's a a kind of arc where there's a young man named Andrew, and all the kids are like junior high schoolers who are kind of trying to deal with they're they're growing up you know they got all these urges they don't know what to do sure and um the character andrew makes a series of unwise decisions and the the group responds by sort of ostracizing him and he's not really welcome in polite company at the school and so he turns online and and when when we're feeling alienated and alone we don't really look for objective stuff. We look for things that are going to make us feel better. Mm -hmm. And so Andrew does the same thing and he kind of falls into that men's rights type of group, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, well, you know, you were fine. Everyone would do what you did. And it progresses to the point where he decides to attend a meetup. And it turns out that it's a clan rally. basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I think that that is what you're worried about is going to happen with Rittenhouse or any any kid like him that they are going to be ostracized from polite society and then the only place for them to go is an extreme and who does that really serve um probably people with money backing an extremist movement yeah and you know the worst possible timeline I could see him being kind of like a spokesperson, a mouthpiece for extremist views, running for local office, that sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's got national heat behind him. And mm-hmm. there's... I mean, his it, his entire legal defense was paid for by conservative backers on crowdfunding platforms. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, like, you and I are kind of moderate people. Right. And, and you and I, we. You, I'm more we, liberal than I let on on this show. But yes, that's fine. <laughs> Modern in that we can talk to people who think differently than us and still be friends. Yeah. That's moderate for today. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of us have attended a rally where things are on fire. You know? Right. <laughs> and if Mr. Rittenhouse moved next door to me, I'd be like, oh, maybe we don't, you know, <laughs> like it's not because I'm like, he's a bad person, but I'm like, he's going to have cameras falling around him. And I'm just going to, I wouldn't want anything to do with that whole situation. I kind mm-hmm. of like this little bubble I'm living in where no one knows I exist. <laughs> <laughs> My neighborhood's awesome, right? Uh, it's a, you know, there's, there's a good mix of people, even at the worst of the race riots last year, there's a lot of white and black. It's probably 60, 40 black, white. Right. But I'd walk around and everyone's like, Oh, Hey, right. But you can kind of tell it was 
10% more polite. We were all like a little bit more politer than we normally would be because mm-hmm. I felt like we were all saying as a group, none of us are involved. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll ignore you if you ignore me. Ah, <laughs> uh, the American dream, right? <laughs> it's, you know, like that's all you can really ask for neighbors is like, I don't know their name and they don't really want to know mine. And that's, that's pretty, that's something special, Evan. <laughs> oh anyway i feel like we've covered so let's yeah no i I do want to kind of just get on to please do so this is something that we've talked about on adequately informed at various points and it's something that's that's kind of an interest of of mine but what what does forgiveness look like you know in in our modern society can we accept someone like Kyle Rittenhouse or more broadly, you know, there, there's so much talk about cancel culture, which for the most part is a boogeyman. Right. But, but there's a lot of people who say or do things in the public sphere that is very bad. And I love that we're hitting all like the adequate informed points right now. This is, I'm, I'm yeah. a fan of your show and I'm like, it's like, we're doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what? Yeah, but, but, but these people can't, you know, even if someone does something that you don't like, they don't just go away. You yeah. can't just condemn them into oblivion, yeah. but at the same time, you can't, you know, you, you don't want to just go too far in the opposite direction and say, well, everything's fine. Who cares if you just, you know, are driving 156 miles an hour with your blood alcohol content twice the legal limit. It's fine. No, we we have to set social norms so that we reduce the frequency of deviant behavior that hurts and ultimately kills people. Right? Like there, that that's why we have shame. Yeah. But <laughs> at the same point, there needs to be a point where it's done and we move to forgiveness. And we are not good at that. Like if you, Evan, if if you're the idiot, everything. Like, oh, look at that Evan guy. What a moron, right? Aren't I not? I'm not a moron, but he is. Are you a moron? Yeah. No, but Evan is. And we're all I say big, that to myself every day. Yeah. We're all in a big group <laughs> talking about how dumb you are. <laughs> and, and isn't that so appealing though? Because mm-hmm. like, it, because it's, the it's eye like of Sauron's not you. on you. Like yeah. the army was like that in a lot of ways. Where like, like. There was, generally speaking, one guy who was really fucking up. And if you couldn't name it, you were that guy. <laughs> because everyone was talking about the fuck up. But then all of a sudden, no one's really talking to you. And then, like, you walk into the room and everyone gets quiet. And you're like, oh. Oh, it's me now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think we all feel so bad about ourselves most of the time right like you talk about imposter syndrome nobody feels like they're doing a good job nobody feels like they're a competent adult and so when you can put yourself above someone else for just a moment it's not healthy in the long run but it feels so good oh forgiveness forgiveness uh, is found by well first of all people need to forget because eventually the, the cycle moves on and other people are in the eye of Sauron and uh, oh that'll be a good edit point too <laughs> <laughs> and you know you have to you have to get your life together you know like because getting your life together by it because you don't you you succeed in a society by conforming. I told you this on Adequately Informed when I was there. You succeed in a society 
by conforming to a certain degree. And yes, we're all unique and special flowers made in the perfect image of the Lord, but we also wear pants to the office. You know, <laughs> like there's a level of conformity there. And if you don't wear mm-hmm. pants to the office, you're working remotely forever, you know? <laughs> and fucking so, and people forgive you, they forget, they accept, you're accepted by showing your level of success right and i know this because i used to be a remarkable loser right like i was so broken i had nothing and my life was terrible and and now it's not now i'm successful now my life's great i've got an amazing wife and a future in front of me and and that feedback loops on itself and then people accept you more because like you've shown like oh he's got his life together you know i'm 35 I should have my life together at this point. <laughs> if you don't have your life together at 35, you need to you need to find Jesus or Jordan Peterson or something. <laughs> <laughs> Clock's ticking even. You know, Jesus, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> which, which, whichever, you know, which whatever gets oh, you. Man. There's many routes to the path of God. <laughs> but, but yeah. And then you have to, because when your life's in the crapper, a lot, of, not only is forgiveness entail forgetting, but also you have to look inward and say, Oh, everything I'm doing, uh, isn't working. In fact, it's the opposite of working. It is <laughs> systemically top to bottom, left, right. Everything, uh, would be called failure. So you got to, take a step back from everything from your social circle from your job your friends your girlfriend your boyfriend whatever because clearly you need to let the wildfire burn right (laughs) and then once you take a step back you examine each and every piece of your life and then you say oh these three people are decent people these 38 people are less than decent people. So I'm going to let all of those 38 people go and kind of hold on to these three and hold real tight because they probably won't steal from you. That's what I mean by decent people. Yeah. And, and that's step one. And then you're like, oh, I've gotten rid of all the bad influences. I'm lonely, but also I'm not. And, and then you figure out, oh, you, you put yourself together a piece at a time. A lot of what Jordan Peterson says kind of resonated with me because I'm like, oh, that's kind of what I did. I did it a piece at a time. And, you know, a lot of his like big spiel of, you know, you, 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 you get yourself together, you know, a tweak here and a tweak there. And there's other things he said I might not agree with as much, but that part was. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> and. And I think with that, if you if you put in the work to put yourself on that journey, right, then, you know, also, if if I was in a Kyle Rittenhouse type scenario, I might change my name too. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. be Jamal. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe not Jamal. Jamal probably stands out too much. But you get what I'm saying. That's probably where his path to that, that would be someone in his scenario, his path to forgiveness would be. So, you work with kids a bunch. I what's do. Your favorite, what's your favorite part of that? 
I think my favorite part of working with kids is when, you know, there there's so many demands placed on them and they're trying to learn how to exist and they're trying to look cool in front of their peers and they're trying to figure out, you know, what reading is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I feel like a lot of childhood is kind of spent testing out different walls that you build up and see which ones get the best responses. But every once in a while, a kid just through sheer joy or through the work that you put into relationship building lets you see their real personality. They just do something small, like they, they giggle like a small child should. You, you wouldn't mm. expect that that would be such a rare thing, but but hearing like the unbridled laughter of a child is so rare. Or they let you in on this weird, small little hobby that they have. I have one student who knows more about 16th century pirate ships than probably anyone in the world. <laughs> and those moments where you feel like you are interacting with a real human being and maybe you play some small part on their journey to becoming who they are. That's probably the best part for me. That's really great, man. You know, I think we'll end there. All right. Tarantino for another time. Tarantino for another. Well, we got to watch Pulp Fiction before we can talk. I haven't watched Pulp Fiction in like a long time. Um, or you know we'll pick uh, that that's all i know of tarantino's pulp fiction but <laughs> um i want to thank you for coming on and i want to thank you for showing up for little kids every day and just being like a a stable adult in their lives <laughs> because holy shit that's got to be fucking rare for them like that's and you'll be this guy that they remember 10 20 years they'll forget your name but they'll be yeah. like you know what he pulled my ass out of don't the fire. Know aim right now so <laughs> there you go <laughs> there's this guy with a beard he pulled me out of like a, a, a fire one time but oh uh it's funny though because since we we have to wear masks like they don't know that i have a beard and if they come go. into my office while i'm eating lunch or something they're like oh my gosh you have facial hair what the <laughs> heck <laughs> anyway sir This is Derwin for The Blanket Fortress, Solitude, signing off.